Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 269. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend at Fintech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lendit Fintech Digital, the new online community for financial services innovators. Today's challenges are extraordinary, with the upheaval affecting all areas of finance. More than ever before, we need to come together as an industry to learn from each other and make sense of this new world. Join Lendit Fintech Digital to connect and learn all year long from your peers and from the fintech experts. Sign up today at digital.lendit.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Arjun Kakar. He is the VP of Strategy and Operations at Ikata. Now, Ikata is a super interesting company. They've been around for quite a long time, and they've really focused on combating online fraud. They've developed a series of tools to help do that, which we delve into in some depth. We focus specifically on account opening fraud in this episode. We talk about how fraudsters are approaching it, the different ways they do it, and obviously the different ways to combat it, talking about how reducing friction can can lead to false positives in that and how companies need need to balance that out. We talk about their identity graph and identity network, which is their sort of secret source in really bringing in all the data of, you know, really billions and billions of data points coming together to give people an indication, a good indication on on what is actually a real identity and what isn't. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Arjun. Glad to be here. Okay, so I'd like to get these things started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. If you could maybe, you've had, a, you've had a pretty interesting career to date, so maybe give us some of the highlights before you got to Ikata. Great, yeah. So I can start from right now, of course. I'm, I lead Ikata's payments and financial services verticals. Uh, I've been in the company for over six years now, and I started as the head of strategy and progressed on to become the VP of strategy and operations. And in my current role, I finally progressed on to this in leading verticals on the operations side. Mm-hmm. Before Ikata, which was your question, as I worked with Booz and Company, Booz Allen Hamilton, for over six years. Uh, and that was advising uh, mostly Fortune 500 companies on problem solving their business strategies. And uh, before that, before business school, I was the co-founder of a startup and uh, an engineer by training before that. Right, right. Okay, okay. So maybe give the listeners a little bit of, describe Ikata for us. And I know it was at one stage in the past, it was called White Pages Pro, I believe. So maybe explain a little bit about the history and uh, and how you describe it today. Sure, sure. So Ikata today, it's uh, I describe it as a company that provides global identity verification with using APIs. And uh, we were a part of White Pages uh, as a company before this, and we were called White Pages Pro, and we've been operating for over a decade. And we are, you know, throughout this time, we've been growing at double-digit percentages. Uh, we have over 1,700 customers. The part of uh, uh, we started White Pages Pro as a part of White Pages because we realized identity data, and then many people were coming to our consumer website looking for identity data for fraud detection. And, you know, it's just one of those things you realize, oh, there's an opportunity here. 
Mm-hmm. So we started contacting these companies and they were, you'll be surprised, many blue chip companies out there that uh, used to use our data uh, on, the, on the consumer website and they became our first few customers. And uh, that is my point about double digit percentages. It started by like, you know, $100,000, $200,000 business to going uh, over 50, 60 million run rate now uh, and growing, still growing at double digit percentages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to think of Ikata as the, the value we provide, we create for our customers is the foundation of it lies in our identity data. And uh, there are two secret weapons that we have, like two differentiators. The first is our engineering and data science teams, which are global teams, uh, part of it sits in Budapest. And uh, these teams resolve, normalize, and keep the data quality high. Uh, which is really required for identity data. It's a very hard problem. It's one of those problems, Peter, that, you know, on the surface looks like, oh, okay, uh, I can do that. But once you go deeper, you need uh, a big team working right. super hard. Sure. And the foundation of of that is we, have, we build risk signals and scores using machine learning such that our customers can make better risk decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, those engineering teams are a part of our power. Uh, the second piece is a major differentiator is now, as I mentioned, we have over 1,700 customers globally. And these includes uh, banks, fintechs, merchants, uh, payments providers. And they all are using us using APIs. So, you know, they ping our servers for getting the data. And our, our customers form the backbone of our network which further contributes value back to the back to our customers. Mm-hmm. We can talk more about our network later, but that is truly a differentiation because only we have our network. Right. Uh, and, right. Uh, and, and, you know, the risk signals coming out of it are very valuable. Yeah, yeah, I do want to dig, dig into that. But before we do, I want to just ask a, a sort of a broader question when, you know, talking about online fraud because obviously it's, it's a major problem you know, globally and, Maybe we could just you could touch on what what is the biggest challenges today in combating online fraud? Absolutely. So it's it's helpful to think of it from the broader trends that impact it. So if you look back uh, at the the trends related or the mega trends related to fraud, the fraudsters are getting access to a lot of identity data. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what lives in the dark web. Uh, I'm sure, Peter, your identity, my identity are all stolen and out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been through multiple data breaches. And over 80% of stolen identity, stolen records online are actually identity records. So that's a big risk, right? Like they have the data. The second major broad trend is that online banking and commerce is taking share from physical banking and commerce. And we all know that. Mm-hmm. Also today, right? The covid yeah. Particularly this year, yes. (laughs) Exactly. Essentially, the net result of these things is the fraud industry is growing. You know, if there's somebody doing an analysis of the fraud industry, like, you know, if there's a fraudsters having their conferences, like our industry is growing. And the biggest challenge out there to fight fraud is to get access to good data. So, you know, fraudsters are getting identity data we need, like the good side, needs access to good identity data to fight fraud. And not just identity data, other data elements too, but that's the foundation of it. Right. 
Right. Okay. Okay. So let's let's maybe just start to dig in because one of the big challenges, obviously, is is when a new customer comes along, they wanna they wanna open an account. It could be anything. It could be a you know, it, it could be a you know a savings account. It could be a, you know, getting a loan. It could be, you know, even just trying trying to start and like trying to buy something. So there's a, there's this, there's this account opening moment that that happens, and maybe you can you know this is this is obviously a, a really key point for for you guys, and I know for the fraudsters. So let's start off with say how are fraudsters thinking about that particular moment, the, the moment of account opening. So it's it's helpful to, if I may step back and also give some context on the account opening sure. perspective, right? Like that's particularly you, you and I touched upon uh, the whole COVID era thing. This this uh, I mentioned that online banking and commerce is taking share, but further there is this crazy surge right now. So for example, in banks, I I think there's data of just post-COVID, the number of new account registrations doubled. Right. Um, and, and nothing surprising, right? Like you would expect that. And uh, what is interesting is that about 40% of people doing that now, like using online banking, said that we won't go back to the branch. Right. Um, so it's it's kind of, uh, it's not just a temporary thing. It's also, it's quite a shift. If you look at e-commerce, you know, about 15% of commerce is e-commerce was e-commerce in, in 2019. And within two months, it became 30%. Right. Uh, and how much of that 30% will go back? Will it go back to 15? It might go back to 20, 25, but still it's like a massive shift. What usually it would increase by two percentage points each year. Now it's up to much bigger. Uh, you put that together. One thing that stands out is new account opening, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and why new account opening? Because, you know, it's not just an increase in transaction volume. Many people, people who are not buying groceries are opening accounts with opening for, for grocery shopping. People who did not have online bank accounts are opening new bank accounts. The challenge in, in, in new account opening, particularly what's very hard, is that uh, you do not have any historical data to go by. Right. Uh, usually, if you are on a on a bank account, your normal behavior over there, they know your behavior, and there's a change and anomaly in the behavior. They can detect that. Uh, same with e-commerce companies; they see normal shopping behavior, and then there's some change. But that's not the case here, right? Like a new account opening, you need access to better data. So, so <laughs> zeroing in on your question, that how do the fraudsters think about it, right? Like they. They do it in two possible ways. They do it using stolen identities, which we talked a bit about, and then they do it using synthetic identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are these things? So uh, firstly, stolen identity fraud is essentially a fraudster stealing your identity, Peter, and saying that I'm going to, if they'll get your identity data from the dark web and they'll start impersonating you uh, on any online transaction. Uh, they will usually move very fast because they want to do everything quickly and buy the products or transfer money from your accounts before you, uh, and they'll do it in multiple locations because the data is now is gathered from the, from the dark web. So multiple fraudsters might be trying to defraud you. And before you realize that they want to do things very fast. So it's just a, a certain behavior that you should know off of uh, stolen identity fraud. 
one interesting thing to note there is that if I'm a fraudster and I steal your identity, I still want the product delivered to my address or my email or my phone number, some delivery location. So I have to change, tweak one little thing. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that good data helps you catch. Think about synthetic identity. This one is is very interesting because the fraudster behaves differently here. They will start by making a Frankenstein identity that is attached to a real, but something somewhat of a less used government identifier or something like a social security number. So they take an SSN uh, or they might even sometimes create a random SSN and they will attach a synthetic identity to that, like all made up identity elements. So uh, they'll have uh, your address with somebody else's phone number and somebody else's uh, email, or they might even not be real. The interesting thing with these people is that they will start applying for credit and start building a history. It requires a lot of patience to do that. They are very patient people because there's a big prize at the end of it. Uh, So once the credit score rises over a time period, even years, they will secure larger credit extensions. And finally, they'll do what's called busting out. So they'll bust out. In other words, they'll just max out on the credit and vanish. (laughs) This is, and you can imagine like the first one was like very transactional fast. I steal and get a product or get transfer some money and, uh, and, and I go away. This other one is this very patient, build something like almost form a foundation of it and then bust out with like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. So, so it sounds like, I mean, synthetic identity must be, you know, I imagine they're both challenging, but yeah, the thing about synthetic identities that I always think is, yeah, it, because it, it's, it's operating in a, in a normal way. Like you said, they're, they're opening a bank account, they're funding it, they're taking out a loan, they're paying it back. So this looks real. So is, is synthetic identities actually harder to kind of fight against than stolen identities? Absolutely. It's like, it's a very hard problem to solve. So uh, some of the things that make it hard, first of all, detection and labeling is very hard. So, you know, every time I talk to folks about synthetic identity in the market, I ask for like, hey, can you give us outcome data? Because, you know, that's how you usually test. And uh, um, some of them do, but they are always questioning even themselves mm-hmm. uh, because nobody's complaining about them. Or it's not nobody. It's very rarely complaining right. about it. And it looks so credible. Right. Uh, how, do you, how do you figure that out? Like, and if you do not, one of the important things in anything related to machine learning, anything related to rule writing, pattern recognition, you need outcome data. You need to see like, okay, whether this is a, a fraud, fraudulent synthetic identity or not. So that's hard. They also, another interesting thing about it, for, since the fraudsters are looking for a big prize uh, and are longer term thinkers, if you will, they will, many of them will pretend to be just false positives, even if you catch them. So you catch them and you say like, hey, you are a, a fraudster. And they say, no, why do you say that? I'm not. <laughs> and how, how do you prove that, right? This is all online, right? So, right. Uh, so the, the, they are very sophisticated. There are like real crime rings doing this. To figure it out, I, the, the magic of having a web structure, something like what Ekata has of different identity elements tying together, helps find data inconsistencies. So if you're joining up a Frankenstein identity, you can, and if there is a database of 
say the truth, you should be able to compare against the truth and find inconsistencies right. and say whether something is fraudulent or not. You know, that inconsistency thing uh, you might recognize, Peter, it's like, it is true even for stolen identities because people are changing one address or one email or, you know, something, usually something like that, but particularly a very strong indicator for synthetic identity fraud. It's one of the best ways to catch it. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so then, you know, the, the, the challenge that often platforms have, particularly lending platforms, shall we say, is that, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, there's, there's always this kind of, battle or, or, or balance you've got a you've got a you've got a struggle between increasing more friction and encouraging more signups and I think it's, it's obviously you know you, you want more friction to reduce fraud but you, you put too much friction in no one signs up so so how do you recommend that um, you know that you know online platforms balance this friction and uh, you know and and sort of the openness of encouraging signups yeah I'm like one of the pet things I always talk about is uh, customer insult. And, uh, well, the part about customer insult is like to catch one one element of fraud, like you to catch one fraudster. How many co- good customers are you declining, right? right. And, and that's uh, you know we've done estimates on this, and across industries it is a very big delta. So if you have say a certain dollar value related to fraud, like hundred dollars, it's usually a 10x factor of how much you're losing on revenue because of things like false declines or friction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, and, and the, you know, as they add up, they are like, the, the problem is a, a hundreds of billions of dollars costing uh, as cost to the industry. The part that, uh, to, to your question on how do you think about that, most of the people who are sophisticated have started think of thinking of it as a two-step process, and I'm simplifying it, of course. And they, the identity verification process should be two-step. The first one being passive probabilistic method. So, you know, you are not trying to ask right away, uh, Peter, show me your ID when you join him, right? Like you don't, right. you don't want to do that right away. But based on your behavior, the elements of data I have collected, I do a probabilistic risk assessment, not a definite risk risk assessment. We can talk more about that. And um, add friction for only the bad customers, right? Or riskier customers. So just eliminate friction for people you think are trustworthy and, uh, you know, who show low risk. And that's pretty much then. So, and the second step is you do put more friction for people you feel who are risky. And on, on that point, I think it's worth talking about this thing that I told you about probabilistic risk assessment, because generally, uh, you know, if you go to online, on banking, lending, things like that, people think, I shouldn't say people think because in the industry has wisened up over time on it, but you almost always try to look for a definite answer is this truly Peter, right? Uh, right? Who's coming online? And you can never get a definite answer. So that's the historical school of thought that always tries to get definite answers. The, it includes, uh, you know, using government issues, static identifiers, such as government issues, photo IDs or social security numbers and things like that. Age, you know, things that are somewhat immutable, right? Like static identifiers. You cannot change your age. Of course, it incre- increments by one each year, but <laughs> you know, try to change that. Um, social security takes a very, it's a, 
crazy hard process to change it. Um, right. But you can change your phone number, you can change your email. Those are dynamic identifiers. They, these are also, you know, these kinds of identifiers are usually country specific and right. credit bureau driven. So you cannot do get a global solution. So there are those elements like that. And they're, of course, the problem of they've always been through some form of data breaches. On the other hand, now coming to probabilistic risk assessment, uh, you can think about dynamic identity elements, things like name, email, phone, IP, address, all of these things. You know, it's not like your IP changes quite regularly. Your address changes somewhat, you know, at least every few years. You, your device ID changes a lot. Your email, you might use multiple emails. So these are dynamic identifiers. And using these for risk assessment, the, you know, the, for the frictionless side, uh, when a customer comes in and you have these identity elements, can I use these identity elements to see what's the risk? And to do that, you can apply good data science behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't, you, you will never say this is surely the answer. So never a definite answer, but you will get a probabilistic answer of like, okay, I'm confident enough to let this person go forward. Right. And, and, and that's the key of it. And that's the kind of thing that uh, ICATA enables. And uh, things that I'm telling you, Peter, this is becoming accepted standards in the industry, right? Like right. They, uh, there's something that regulations might require you to do, but there are, these are things you do on top of that to make sure that your customers have a good experience. Right, right. Okay. So I want to talk now about the, the network that you talk, that you just touched on earlier uh, and the identity graph. Maybe you can explain what they are and, and how, this, how this helps uh, you know, identify fraudulent account openings. Yeah. So in the early introduction to ICADA, I mentioned uh, about our superpowers. I mean, those, the engineers, this is what our engineers build and the identity graph and the identity network are, are two distinct data assets. The, the identity graph is, is essentially built from over 100 data sources globally. And the, this is licensed data. And it's a, we take care of compliance with global security regulations. So we have a data sourcing team that's very, you know, especially things like GDPR. There are so many regulations around the world. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do. So we've made a discipline of that. Our graph essentially help validate linkages between identity elements. And we have over 8 billion identity elements globally. And the linkages could be between things like emails, phones, addresses, and their links to names or with each other. So it's, you can think of it and as an interconnected graph, right, Peter? Like if you cohabitate with someone, you will be linked to them through your address, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, the, and the, the graph goes very deep in things like it also gives you what we call metadata or like additional information related to any element. So uh, for example, with phone, you'll get information like phone carrier or line type or email, you can get e email validity and other such signals. And these are all risk signals because we focus on risk signals. So that's our identity graph. And again, like based on source data, our identity network is the other superpower I talked about, like the part about our customer access. And we it essentially derives insights from billions of anonymized customer queries. And it finds usage patterns between these queries. So, uh, you know, all our customers use our APIs. So they ping on to our servers and we anonymize those queries. 
and we look for patterns that will find anything that's abnormal or assess the risk or other things that are related to usage patterns that will give us more information uh, about risk. And this is no question about it. This is only unique to Ikara because you know these customers calling identity elements is very unique to us. So th these two combined together, I, I always think the biggest value, I mean, these are individual assets, but the biggest value comes in the combination of these. So if you put these linkages, uh, the additional metadata I talked about, and this usage patterns from the identity network, uh, it becomes very powerful because it becomes harder and harder for a fraudster to penetrate. Like, you know, they'll, they can uh, make up a part of your profile, but they cannot make all of this up. There'll be some signal that will give you away. Right, right. Okay, okay. So, so then... So what you're doing is you're getting like in real time, obviously, probably, I don't know, like many, many times every day, you're monitoring, you know, transactions, uh, real transactions around the world. And then I imagine, I mean, that as you're building up this, I could see how it would get, it builds on itself, right? Because the more data you get, the more accurate it is, the more accurate it is, the, you know, the more data and it just kind of, and people people um, are continuing to feed into it to, to bring it more data. Flywheel effect, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the network score. I noticed that you, you released this uh, network score earlier this year. Maybe explain exactly what it is and how, how this is useful. Yeah, and uh, I will talk about the network score and, uh, it's a part about our identity network. So, sure. you know, the I identity network that I just described gets all of these signals from the network. What we decided was that uh, to simplify it for our customers, we're going to, not all of our customers have machine learning shops, but we do. So we can build a score that indicates the risk in our network using a single score. So uh, we put our machine learning team um, and you know we have a machine learning team because we were already building other scores, for example, based on our graph from identity graph. We built this new one from, from the network side, particularly because there was a lot of demand from the market that we want to use something related to your network. So, so what the team did was using our customers' outcome data. So we, we have multiple customers that give us outcome data, which we use for modeling. Uh, we found what is the, we built uh, machine learning models to give out a network score that helps them. And then we tested back with them and we realized this was a very interesting thing we realized, Peter, that the network score is powerful by itself, right? Like the network score tells you the risk online based on behavioral patterns or based on usage patterns. But it's particularly helpful when it is combined with the identity graph. Because, because when you put them together, uh, it is the additional data of somewhat orthogonal data sets, like this is reality sitting here and this is behavior. And you combine the, the, the two. There's an interesting study that like we, our, one of our customers we did in which they actually found that by combining the two, they were able to find uh, about 20% of the of the transactions that they were declining were actually false declines. So these were good customers; they were declining, mm. and this is and these were the customers which had got low risk in our our scores related to the graph, our confidence score, 
and low risk, low risk related to network score. So that's what our network um, score enables. Now, I wanted to add an additional point there that what we are doing now is a lot of network-related innovation. So uh, we first released the network score. We are releasing additional attributes related to the network. I'll give you one example which of a network attribute that was always there with us and which is one of our most powerful signals. It's uh, our email first scene. Now, the way to think about email first scene is like when did, when did you create your primary email, Peter? That was uh, 16 years ago. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's me too. Like as soon as Gmail came out. As soon as actually, Gmail came out, exactly. I got my name. Yeah. I, I reserved my name at gmail.com. Yep, yep. Same, my last name at you because it needed six yeah. characters. Arjun won't, wouldn't do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that's the, I, I got that and I've retained that ever since. What's interesting to know is that 90, 90% plus of consumers retain the same email for over three years. Mm -hmm. And only 3% of users use emails that were created in less than a year back. What's interesting in online transactions is just a spike in the number of recent emails, recently created emails. Why is that? It's fraud. It's right. Because the fraudsters right. are creating these email IDs to get delivery of things or, you know, takeover accounts and things like that. And that is the key that, you know, we give this signal based on our network and, uh, and other sources of email uh, first scene, which is one of the most predictive signals. You take to think of another signal like when did, if you put your phone number and email together, on a website or in in a banking app and during account opening if ikara can check in our network that these two are seen together recently now there is a risk signal associated with that right and we are finding we discover this all the time peter i don't want to speak too much more of it because you don't want to reveal too many secrets but we see this all the time from uh, based on our experimentation our data science team on new signals and we are starting to expose these signals to our customers and new um, APIs such as our account opening API that's coming up. Right, right. Okay, so so we're going over time here, but just before I let you go, one more question. Uh, you know, you, you, you touched on it just there, but maybe expand on how do you see this going down the track? I mean, like it seems like it's a constant battle with the forces. They're innovating as well, yeah. just like you guys are. So. What's coming down the track that we can, um, without giving away too many secrets, that, that we can that we can expect from Ikata? I can I can tell you one thing that it, on the surface it seems like the fraudsters are winning, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, they are a growing industry, uh, just like and that's unfortunate, of course. Just like online commerce and online banking are growing industries, but if you actually drill down deeper, you go one level deeper and you see how much fraud you have per unit volume it's actually flattened and it's going down a bit. Really? So, which is which is a good feeling, right? Like, which makes you feel like we are winning. Uh, it's still there, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's, we are still a growing industry, uh, but per unit, uh, I think uh, we've at least tried, started to slow them down a bit. The, the part that uh, to keep in mind there is that, you know, this year, we don't have data for this year yet. This year, the fraudsters would be winning. 
Um, right. There'll be two things will be happening. I, one is either the fraudsters will be winning because we have not seen, you know, machine learning re- requires previous data to, for analysis. We didn't have previous data. So fraudsters are either winning or we are causing a lot more false declines, right? Like we are declining good customers. So right. what's Ikata going to do? Ikata is we realize that we are in the space wherein we are market leaders globally but we are not done yet. There's just so much we need to do to keep improving. The examples of stuff like I told you on network, our focus on network to give something truly unique to every customer that they can learn from our customer network or their risk risk detection. Uh, and the second thing is our global expansion. You know, we've got offices uh, in, um, in Budapest, in, in Amsterdam and Singapore now, uh, and we are continuing to grow in other geographies and expanding on those markets. And uh, throughout this thing, our focus is on providing high efficacy risk signals. Uh, so we'll just continue in that direction. I, I think it's a long path. I, I can, right. even, we, we think long-term and we can easily see a path out for a decade. Right. Well, you you have you have job security there because I'm sure there's <laughs> fraudsters are going to keep uh, keep battling battling against you. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway, Adrian, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. Uh, it was a really fascinating conversation. I enjoyed it a lot, too, Peter. Thanks for all of those questions. Okay. See ya. See ya. You know, I was just chatting with Arjun there after we stopped recording and he made the comment that he said, these fraudsters are smart. I mean, they have all the, the latest tools, the latest technology, smart people working for them. So we certainly can't underestimate them. And, and you know, it makes sense that this year with the increase in online behavior and sudden changes in behavior that fraudsters have taken advantage and they've, they have uh, really made some gains this year. So it's just, you know, we need to be doing everything we can to really create an accurate picture of each person coming through our website or our mobile app and making sure that they are who they say they are. And that's obviously what things that uh, Ikata are doing are really you know, helping give companies more confidence that uh, you know, help them help them manage their risk in this way. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech Digital, the new online community for financial services innovators. Today's challenges are extraordinary, with the upheaval affecting all areas of finance. More than ever before, we need to come together as an industry to learn from each other and make sense of this new world. Join Lendit Fintech Digital to connect and learn all year long from your peers and from the fintech experts. Sign up today at digital.lendit.com.